I'm Roger Baker, Executive Director of the Stratfor Center for Applied Geopolitics at RAIN, a global center of excellence for geopolitical intelligence and analysis. Learn how you can put geopolitics to work for your organization at RAINNetwork.com. Welcome to RAIN's Essential Geopolitics Podcast. My name is Emma Kami, and I will be your host today. When Saudi Arabia and Iran agreed to a roadmap to restore normal diplomatic relations recently in Beijing, the trilateral agreement opened up just as many questions as it answered. For more on this news of normalization between geopolitical rivals, we're talking with Emily Hawthorne, Senior Middle East and North Africa Analyst at RAIN. Hi, Emily. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Emma. Uh, First off, what is happening between Iran and Saudi Arabia and what is likely to happen in the coming months? So, yeah, as you mentioned in your intro, we have an agreement between Saudi Arabia and Iran to work on a roadmap to restore bilateral relations and to reopen embassies within the next two months. This follows a seven-year period of time um, between these rivals when they did not have ties and when they did not have diplomatic representation. And as you mentioned, this agreement was signed in China um, and sort of uh, as a, a a bit of a surprise, certainly there were signs of this over the years, and we've written on, um, you know, topics. Uh, we've written on this topic a lot. You know, can Iran and Saudi Arabia restore ties? What would it take, et cetera? What would it mean? But the actual agreement did uh, certainly emerge as a surprise, and it's interesting because um, these are the two biggest rivals in the Persian Gulf region, um, and it's really um, notable that the two of them are agreeing to have these normal relations now at a time when uh, Iran's relationship with Israel is very precarious at a time when Iran's relationship with the United States is very precarious and when Iran-U.S. nuclear talks have basically completely run aground and been paralyzed. So what we're seeing really is this likely sense on the Saudi side that they need to establish direct communication with the Iranians um, or or deepen it. They've had back-channel communications for, um, you know, the duration of the time that they haven't had official ties, but establish stronger communication so that they can de-escalate in the event of um, any sort of security crisis, which Saudi Arabia is very concerned about, especially in an environment right now where you have Iran um, on a pathway potentially to um, being able to make a nuclear weapon um, and also advancing its ballistic missile technology. Um, There's a lot of reasons why Saudi Arabia would want for its own national security to make sure that it has sort of the direct ear of the Iranian authorities so that they can try and sort of mitigate against uh, the security risks that Iran might pose to them. So I think that that's sort of the the big headline issue of what's happening between them. Um, what's likely to happen in the coming months is, um, you know, the uh, meeting of the foreign ministers to sort of officially progress the normalization forward, the opening of uh, diplomatic uh, embassies, buildings, uh, consulates between these two countries like they were before this seven-year rift occurred. And from there, um, they're going to try and pick up where they left off in terms of 
um, potential economic cooperation, but mostly I think it's, it's especially in the near term, this is about security and trying to be on something of the same page in terms of, of their shared security risks. Um, could this have a tangible impact on regional security or does it mostly impact just these two countries? So, yes, by by reestablishing ties with Iran, as we were just mentioning, certainly Saudi Arabia is hoping to um, mitigate the risk of any sort of direct Iranian attack, um, as well as um, Iranian linked attacks. Uh, which have been a real tangible threat to Saudi Arabia, as well as some of the other Arab Gulf states over the last several years. Um, and that threat has been increasing um, as the Arab Gulf states have been probing the possibility of Israeli normalization. Those closer ties between Israel and the Arab Gulf states makes Iran very nervous. Uh, they don't like that. Um, so certainly, first and foremost, it's about Saudi Arabia's own security. However, these two countries are engaged in, uh, you know, a handful of uh, governments and conflict zones across the region. The main one is in Yemen. And I do think that in the Yemen civil conflict, where you have Saudi Arabia as the biggest backer for the Yemeni government and Iran as one of the backers for the Houthi rebel movement, there is a possibility for some sort of settlement moving forward um, in a in a much uh, more likely way now that we have this path forward for normalized ties between Iran and Saudi Arabia, who certainly are the largest regional powers that have interest in that conflict. It, it, it needs to be said, of course, that the Yemen conflict is driven by local dynamics. There are resource concerns. There are um, uh, you know, civil conflict dynamics that are sort of the nucleus of the conflict itself. But there is that regional layer to it where um, both Iran and Saudi Arabia have prolonged the conflict by inserting their own interests into it. Um, but Saudi Arabia, we know right now um, over the last few years, has been trying to find a way to to pull out of the conflict. So I think that that is one of the primary places where we might see um, a regional security impact. And, and if we did see an easing to the Yemen civil conflict, if we did see some sort of political settlement between the Houthi rebels and the Yemeni government, which of course would be complicated, but is a plausible outcome here, um, it, it would have certainly uh, a positive impact on humanitarian suffering in Yemen, as well as a, a positive impact in terms of security for anybody that is sort of around Yemen. Um, certainly the other Arab Gulf states would be very, very interested and and uh, would be happy if there was some sort of settlement in the Yemen conflict. So I think that that's the main sort of regional place where we might see this um, happen. Some of the other places where Iran has a lot of influence, like Iraq or Lebanon, Saudi Arabia simply doesn't have the same level of influence. They certainly don't have armed forces on the ground that they're supporting in the same way that Iran does. So there's a limited likely impact to regional stability in those theaters. And what is the significance of China brokering the agreement? Yes, so much ink has rightly been spilled about the fact that China was the one that brokered this agreement and, uh, you know, not any sort of 
Western power, certainly not the United States, which really wouldn't be able to do it because it doesn't have, you know, really functional ties with Iran. I think it is an absolute diplomatic win for China vis-a-vis the United States, um, which has traditionally over the last many decades been one of the sort of global powers that presides over um, regional conflict mediation and is sort of one of those, uh, you know, countries that has um, a lot of stake and say in regional mediation between rivals um, within conflicts. I mean, the Camp David um, agreement uh, that eased relations between uh, Egypt and Israel um, during the Carter administration. That's a you know just one example among many. Um, so certainly it's a diplomatic win for China vis-a-vis the U.S. to have been the one that brokered this agreement. I do think it does show some of the impact of the fact that the United States government in recent years has not prioritized this region, Middle East, North Africa, um, vis-a-vis other areas of the world, specifically the Indo-Pacific. Uh, and, and that's just tied in with sort of the hierarchy of priorities and national security concerns that the United States has. So, and certainly, you know, the war in Ukraine has been a huge um, focus of the U.S. and other Western governments over the last year. So I do think it's very intriguing and it opens up a ton of questions for what could China do in other parts of the region? Is China interested in being a mediator in other regional conflicts? Um, could it, uh, you know, we've been debating internally, like where would we see China sort of ease uh, tensions in the region? Um, China's interests here, uh, you know, in terms of brokering an agreement between Iran and Saudi Arabia is likely very much to do with energy stability, economic stability. Um, China is sort of the the main customer for Middle Eastern energy. Um, And Saudi Arabia and Iran, of course, are both huge oil um, and gas producers. So China has an interest there um, because certainly an agreement between these two countries can have a, a positive impact on energy markets over time. And I think also um, it's it's important to consider um, when we think about where um, and if China might have an interest in uh, being more involved politically in the region, you know, the, the, the next part of that question is, is there an adverse effect to China or, or a negative implication to Chinese stability and security if it does become more involved in the region? So time will tell with that. That's several <laughs> steps down the line. Um, but I think, yes, diplomatic win for China um, and and sort of a, a sign, a visible sign of some of the deprioritization of the Middle East by the United States government. Thank you for that analysis, Emily. You can learn how geopolitical events like this could affect your business with RAIN Intelligence Briefs. Our flagship risk intelligence products provide clients with access to the insights and analyses they need to make more informed decisions and drive better risk management outcomes, all for a fraction of the cost you pay yourself. Sign up at RAINNetwork.com. That's R-A-N-E Network.com. I'm Emma Kami. Thanks for listening.